Do you value yourself, your family, your friends? Want to know more about how to survive, thrive, and stay alive in these dynamic times? Listen to Around the Campfire with Kate, Thursday nights and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, only on PSN TV. That's Around the Campfire with Kate, news that nobody in the MSM wants to report. Remember, train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. Boy, do we have a show prepared for you guys tonight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate, where tonight is one of those nights it's going to be totally different on this show. No. We have that guy in the corner. We have you know that guy. That guy you know over that there guy? in the corner. The other guy. And we no. have the guy sitting at the control room like he really knows what he's doing or something. And that guy? No, it would be me, <laughs> And this is just going to be a fun night of just... Talking, squawking, and what's under your skirt over there? <laughs> <laughs> Is it windy over there? Are you just happy to be in the rooster coop? <laughs> Are you in yeah. Chicago tonight? Yeah, I'm a rooster in the head. Oh, so Are you in Boston? <laughs> well, I'm happy to have all of you guys here, especially another professional broadcaster. Kate, what's it like in here? I mean, is it is it windier than your studio? With all you guys in here, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's windy and it better not smell. That's all I'm saying. In this studio, this studio is about the size of my my whole tiny home. Really? Well, actually, mine's a little bit longer, but my studio, if you want to call it that, is about a quarter of the size of your desk. So walking, walking in here is like literally walking into a studio. I mean, you have soundproof gadget doodaddy things on the walls. You have all, all the controls over there that you're afraid to touch because you're really going to screw something up if you do. I do it all the time. Don't worry about it. Well, okay. See, <laughs> you have you have screens everywhere, and here 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 I are sitting in this room and thinking this could be mine. Well, you know what's weird? I just shared out the show mm-hmm. to a group of three people, and, and two of them are in this room. <laughs> you ever done that before? No. I almost feel important this time around. <laughs> he, he didn't say he sent it to you. <laughs> Could have been me. Uh, you know, you know, Kate, I'm really happy you came um, for a lot of reasons, but uh, none more than the cookies that I've got. For oh, you. most certainly. The oatmeal were just as good as the chocolate chip, weren't hey, they? You, you weren't supposed to have any of them. Oh, damn it. But you know what? Um, she shared some some knowledge, and that's what we do on all of our shows. We have fun. We share yes. knowledge. But I'm not letting this one go. She actually told us how to bake cookies. And, Dan, you're out of this completely because you don't cook anything. Uh, um, I, yeah, if I cook it, it's in the microwave. Uh, but how to keep cookies moist, and I figured it out. Did you know that? You no, nope. Craig. You well, figured no, it I out. I learned it. I actually learned it. You know, um, you can't teach an old dog do tricks once in a while, and. Here we are. <laughs> Stick around because he doesn't learn them very often. <laughs> <laughs> Still learn more than I do. So, you know, uh, you kind of called this meeting. And I call it to order. All right. Where's it? I'll take a look. cheeseburger. A uh, yeah. All right. Here we go. There you go. That Mountain works. Dew. What are you talking about? Dan. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Order in the court, guys. Let's get it together here. Right. <laughs> okay, so 
uh, what do you want to tell everybody out there, Kate? How to keep cookies moist? Well, that's an easy one. No, don't tell them that. That's a secret now. It, oh, it is? Yeah, it was. That's a, it's like a covenant secret. Oh. You can't tell anybody that anymore. It's it's sealed, signed. You know what? Maybe we can have like a giveaway. Number one prize is going to be that knowledge. It's like a fortune cookie from white people, you know. <laughs> Do not spit into the wind. That's Uh-oh. a good fortune. Yeah. That was PC. That was anti-PC, wasn't it? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. I don't practice PC. I'm very bad at it. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you try to do it. I don't practice PC either or CP. What's CP? Uh, constipation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because you have diarrhea of the mouth constantly. Oh, ah, well, come on, Hans. Somebody has to carry the load. <laughs> By the way, we have in in the studio tonight, we have Jeremy Hansen from Unleashed Jeremy Hansen. We have Deplorable Dan from... Morning Crankers with Unleashed Jeremy Hansen and Hello. Deplorable Dan. And then we have the guy in the corner that he doesn't want his name mentioned, so we just call him... Crankster. <laughs> crankster. I like Crankster. We call him the guy yeah, in the kilt. Crankers. The guy in the corner. That sounds good. The guy, actually, it's the guy in the kilt. The guy in the kilt. Well, isn't uh, St. Paddy's Day coming up? It is. Yeah. And I've been cleaning my kilt. And clean it. You need to clean under your kilt. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how would you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> Hans's bathroom's feeling the pain of it now. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Uh-oh. The pain's like feeling. Wander, just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, imagine you're in the desert wandering. Okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was talking to my wife the other day, and I was like, you know, and she and she still likes you. I know that's crazy, that's but you know am- that is amazing. I told her with you know when I go wandering, sometimes I I <laughs> I find pirates. <laughs> I said sometimes you got a pirate's beard going on down there. Grr. Yeah. <laughs> Shiver me timber. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get slapped. I I did get a little bit of an elbow, but it wasn't too bad. Welcome to my show, everyone. This is totally different. <laughs> That's what lasagna does for you, folks. Hook on you know, let's uh, let's do this, and that way it kind of just sets the tempo for the show, right? right? Around the campfire with Kate this Sunday, and it's incognito. You're supposed to be, right? <laughs> Don't get it. Yeah, you know, we're camouflaging Kate. All right. I guess oh, my God. Is. The guy in the corner is jumping up and down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no idea. There goes his kilt. I'm wearing a kilt happily. Hey, this is a PG-13 show guy in the corner. What are you doing? Don't look, Kate. Don't look. <laughs> no, Kate. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> Craig just told us that, uh, well, you know, I came in from Boston. I, my bad, Chicago. We're the two windiest cities, by the way. Well, hello, Professor Bauer. Uh, he just got on. Hey, Prof. How you doing? Uh, we were Professor. talking earlier about his amazing voiceover skills. Um, yeah, we were talking about you, Mr. Bauer. Oh, behind your back. I bet your ears were steaming. Uh, but do you ever look at his posts on social media? Yes. Okay. I've, I belong on a couple of his sites. He's a political maestro. Oh, is he? He is. But here's what he does. Nobody knows it because he puts super delicious food pictures and he puts ancient stuff like ancient aliens, mm-hmm. the Sphinx underwater, that kind of thing. I love it. No, I'm not going to lie. It's like, because I know the guy, you know, the guy that knows the guy, well, I'm that guy. 
Okay, I'm not the guy. I'm just the guy that knows the guy. And in some cases, I'm the guy that knows the guy that happens to be dating the gal. You know, but <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, oh, this is Kate's show. Go that, for it. That's the story to come. Yes, right. Anyway, hello, Mr. Bauer. How are you? Anybody else on there that I cannot see? Uh, not that I see so far. Well, Mr. Bauer, you are the solo person, and so you win the grand prize of absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Jack Alexander, how you doing from Australia, brother? Oh my gosh! Hey, mate. Hey, Jack. Uh, you know, it takes a while, isn't it? Funny that we have people states away, and literally, this is what's going on in the Unleashed World right now. And since we're in the studio, they're like. We hit your link and it's broken. It takes you absolutely. Sorry, this is a broken link. <laughs> it's as far as you get. It's like uh, you know, driving a Ford somewhere. Eventually, it just stops. <laughs> you know, Chevy sitting. Right. Uh, the guy in the corner starting to bother me. He's talking so much that I can't get a word in. Uh, uh, professor says that explains oh. why my taint glitches. Greetings, everyone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this actually, is definitely a different sort of around the campfire with Kate. Yeah, I've absolutely. never, I've never been around this type of campfire. What what do we not know about her that we should? Because she's directing this rodeo. There, this is all her. This is all Kate, right? I yeah, well, absolutely. It's See? all her fault. Right? I am an open book, and nobody knows anything about me, and I like it that way. That's oh. because you have invisible ink. I do. You know it, the stories imagine. that could be told. Oh my goodness! Could you imagine the Illuminati wrote the book? <laughs> And they used invisible ink. And you, you ever seen that video where the guy's like, how do we read the ink? And they're like, they pour water on it and it doesn't work. And they pour, pour Kool-Aid and finally they're like, you got to pee on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that the kind of book we're dealing with right now? No, I'm not into the ur- urinating profusely on my book. Um, okay. 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 Yeah, it'd be a stinky book. What we do around the campfire is we light the fire and we sit around the campfire and we get warm. Smoky Joe's. Smoky Joe's. So, <laughs> we, tell, <laughs> we tell ghost stories, we tell life stories, we tell stories about men who have daughters who are dating now. Anybody have an apple? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Morgan's dating. What can I say? It. I don't know if it makes me more scared, angry, excited. Uh, this guy's an all right guy. Oh, you have nothing to fear because I am here. That's right. That's true. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's a weird time in your life when you're, when your precious little girl, when other guys start taking notice that she's a girl. Does that make sense? Oh, she's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. No, she's my little girl. No, <laughs> <laughs> she is. She is. She's beautiful. And well, I told her today that while she was getting ready for her date, that she doesn't need to be in there primping so much. She needs right. to just be herself because just the way she was, she didn't have her makeup on yet. She's absolutely beautiful. Well, she's fun. You know, what I miss are the, she was my fishing buddy. You know, those days, like, when the girls didn't have to worry about being girls, she was just whatever dad wanted her to be. Like, I was asking her the other day, I had this little two-person speedboat, mm-hmm. and I used to make Maya mad as hell because I would go jump in the speedboat, and we'd go in the channel where we lived, it was 15 miles per hour, and we'd be coming through there, and she'd be laughing like hell. We're doing 35, 40 and hitting the waves, and her mom would be on there just screaming at us to slow down, and, you know, we'd whip it really fast and then splash water up on mom. But that's another story, but I miss well, those days. Well, but see, those <laughs> are memories that she will always remember. Well, I think And so, you will yeah. always be her hero. 
I hope so. It doesn't matter who she's dating. It doesn't matter who, when she's 40, actually marries somebody because you might let her. Maybe. You will always be her hero. I hope so. I've worked uh, pretty hard uh, to defend her. But did I ever tell you the story when she almost got me killed? No, but I want to hear it. And so does everybody else in the yeah, audience. Yeah, I want to hear that one. What okay. did she do? Tell Maya on you? Uh, well, <laughs> I wasn't counting those close encounters. You know, <laughs> uh, No, literally, uh, we had to go to the DMV. And I used to live uh, next to this place. And it was swirling with uh, crazy bad people. And the, the name of the place is Beloit. Does oh, anybody in here know Beloit? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so... Uh, I went into Beloit, and I was like, hey, you know, just be yourself. Be I'm the only white guy in there. You know how they say there's no racism against white people? Oh, yes, yes. I've, I've been to that same location you're talking about, yes. and I felt the same thing. It's like being the most polite guy in the world, and you're, like, shunned. Oh, big time. Oh, yes. But I bring in my half-black little daughter. Absolutely. So now I'm even more hated. Absolutely. Okay, because I'm, I'm like, you know, this is the wintertime. So I'm like, you know, I literally look like the snow. I walk in with my little daughter, and we sit down, and there's somebody that's illegal, by the way, but they were passing out Barack Obama stickers. Uh Oh, Oh, mistake number one. And they get to my daughter, and she grabs it and looks at it, and she goes, Obama sucks. (laughs) 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 And uh, needless to say, there was daggers in my back and and eyes of fury in front of me. (laughs) I didn't die. I didn't, but apparently. I, I could have. You were going to say apparently you smart ass. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I learned something about Kate the last couple of days. Um, she's a very good, she's a professional smart ass. <laughs> yeah. She fits right well, in on the family. I, ju- I just wanted to let you know that that is not the part of my anatomy that is smart. Real? Okay, what is it? I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> Still working on the answer to that one. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So, what have you noticed, guy in the corner? Oh, guy in the corner? Yeah. Uh, um, I've noticed a lot of things that I, I, you know, gosh, you guys are throwing me under the bus here. Is this like roast Kate night? (laughs) I think it should be. (laughs) But in a good way. In a good way. Go for it. Go for it. I can do it. No, no, no. Come on, man in the kill. Guy in the corner. You guys are throwing me under the bus here. Uh, (laughs) Give us some of your wisdom. Oh, that's it right there. He's taking he's taking me to his house tonight. Uh, oh, oh, for dinner. Ooh, for dinner. Okay, we didn't. This is a late night dinner. Wow, this is a PG a thir- PG thirteen late night show. dinner. Late night dinner. Right? Okay, yeah. your show's PG thirteen. It's whatever I want it to be. Oh, <laughs> but dinner will be PG thirteen. <laughs> Dan, what are you laughing at? <laughs> oh, I hear somebody's phone going off. I thought it was my kids, but. Hello. Hello. Hey, can can you say hello in Spanish? Hola. Hola. Como estas? Over the fence. (laughs) (laughs) Over Uh, the fence? Nope, I got caught there on my kilt. Oh, oh, don't do that. Have you heard some of the stories? Oh No, I felt some of the stories. (laughs) I, I saw a meme the other day, and it said, are you having a bad day? And you scroll down a little bit, and it's, okay, have you seen those? Uh, bird feeders that are like anti-squirrel and they two pieces of metal rod come up like in a V. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this poor squirrel had jumped off and his nuts got caught in that V. And oh. He was, he was hanging there and it oh, said... Oh, my gosh. Imagine you could be having this type of day. Oh, been there, done that with my <laughs> kids going over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Oh, I can't relate. 
<laughs> Trust but, me, that's you don't want any nuts. No, I don't want to. You can't. Oh. <laughs> so much for PG-13. Uh, hey, you know. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, hey. Now, things are getting nutty around here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, have you done anything bad lately? Always. Okay, well, what is it? Absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> it's like you, you catch your kids doing something bad. I don't have kids. What are you doing? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Nothing, Dad. <laughs> What'd you do to your brother? <laughs> Absolutely everything. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Well, right away, it's not even nothing. It's, well, that's the first thing. Well or but. The, one of those two words comes before the next sentence. Well, threw his well. Well. What about and? <laughs> No, and usually it adds two. That's true. They're trying to separate themselves. and Well, that's why they try to separate their, separate their selves is the reason why I'm saying it's because especially if they're hanging with someone and they put the blame on someone else. You know what I'm saying? So, well, no, oh, that's the reason you. why I'm late. <laughs> that's the reason why I was late. Okay, Uncle Craig, don't come shooting at my way, okay? Oh, right. shooting it your way, man. My man. wife got a, a nose full, but... Ah! <laughs> 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 Mama Maya. Uh, so, so um, this uh, trip wasn't all pleasure, was it, Kate? This trip was pretty pleasurable. Well, no, but it wasn't all about pleasure. No, right? Was it? I don't. I don't think so. What about you? Tell us, guy in the corner. Guy in the corner is uh, not answering on grounds that might definitely incriminate him. <laughs> it, it might get him killed. Um, I didn't know you had the Miranda rights in the no, rooster coop. But. After, oh, actually, this is a business trip uh, because I'm here to talk business with somebody. Well, about something. Exactly. Over there. Maybe. With that. Someday. Someday. Probably. So someday, somehow, somewhere, some maybe. Who, maybe, something. Big is going to happen. We're talking business. Yeah. Right, right. So... Let me put this on. If I was to talk about something big, you know, the first thing that I would want to talk about, hypothetically. 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 Uh, so let's talk about something hypothetically. Let's do that. Are you guys all for that? I'm all for that. How about you guys? What, what's, what's the rules of engagement? You have to keep oh, your here we go. down. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Yeah, you know, I, you know I, I pick songs, and, and, and Guy in the Corner knows this. I pick songs, and I play songs that always have a meaning. Most people think I just put music that sounds good in there. Oh, it's never random what comes it, across your right. radio station. No, it never. It literally, there is always hidden messages. And if you listen back to my shows, there's about 10,000 pounds of innuendos in every show. <laughs> it's, some, some people catch them, some people don't. But listen to the I've played this song <clears throat> on multiple shows. And it's usually right before I talk about something that we need to change. Mm -hmm. Something that we need to bring back. Now listen. And tell me if you catch the drift. Suddenly, the world I used to know, I see it differently. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Everything. Really hurting me. All right, so what I would like to talk about hypothetically is... If Do not we quit were... your day job. Oh, okay, well, thank you. You know, I can't get <laughs> this rid of this whatever is wrong my throat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, we went out last night, and the guy in the corner and me were trying to talk, and he's like, huh, huh? And I couldn't decide if it was old age or my throat. But it was his hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I couldn't hear myself talk. So, like, I went up and I was getting a water or the Jaeger, and I was like, hey. I think it was more Jaeger. 
I only had two drinks. Yep, it was. Yep. Uh, and I wanted to talk to the guy, and he couldn't hear me. And I'm, like, trying to go through the different ranges in my voice <laughs> so he can listen. Because if I get up too high, you just can't hear me. And if I go down like this, you can hear me. But I can't just talk like this because I sound like a frog in a no Disney movie or something. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so it comes in and out, especially if I get excited. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, your wife was there. Ding, ding, innuendo. But, you know, nobody ever gets those. Uh, you know, where's Dan when you need him? You know? <laughs> negative three. Yeah, that's almost negative eight. Yep. And yeah, some right. all the power turned off on the other side of town, and yeah. I was late. Late, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, what the hell was that? Kid, he would have been fired from most jobs. Oh, what yeah. do you mean fired? He was reprimanded pretty heavy, I heard, around here. Oh, he was. Well, you know what? I had donuts for anybody. He didn't get any. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, and I was hard enough reprimanded right there. <laughs> is that what it is? It is. It is. It is we run a tight ship around here, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, why a tight is it donut ship. Well, uh, you know, yeah. Kate's got a freaking awesome show. and you know, Of course she, I do. Will you talk about things that people say they want to know about? Uh, but how many people can actually put them into practice? Not very many. Because it takes practice, right? It does. You I mean, train. you teach, and the point of teaching is for them to go execute. Absolutely. Right. So if you're going to go do that and do it properly, like let's just take an example. Let's talk about starting a fire. Mm-hmm. Guess what? When you see the guys on TV and they're doing it and they're they're flicking a few sparks and like, poof, the fire comes on. I was like, that is complete bullshit. <laughs> Do you know how many years of practice it takes to get it at just two strikes? Do you know how many years of practice it takes to get a fire started in the woods with a lighter? With wet wood? <laughs> a non-windy day. Right. I, you know, most people don't know, like, if you find a pine tree and you cut the inside of the pine tree, even if it is wet, it's flammable. It's still going to light. But most people don't know that. I, I, you know, the thing is, is if, if you're not listening to Around the Campfire with Kate, and there's an emergency, or like the CDC says in a zombie apocalypse, you're going to die. So if you like your life... So that means you have to listen to the show or you're going to die. Absolutely. And then you have to go practice it. Oh, just listening well, you, isn't enough. Yeah. You have to follow through, and there's so much yeah. information that one can learn if they listen. Right. So execute. It's the truth. And, and you know what I want her to do? Um, she's got to up her game a little bit, would you say? Um, be yeah, careful. just a little bit. Just okay. a little bit. Be careful. Be careful, careful over there, guy in the corner. Oh, well, oh, come on, do oh. it. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I fight so, back. Uh, he said not yet. <laughs> well, I was I was talking to Kate, and Kate put all my worries to bed. You see, all these people want to buy stuff in case there's emergencies, and she said, "Oh yeah, it's coming. The show's going to have its whole line of products about survivalist stuff, and you know, uh, starting fires and things like that." And I was like, Ooh. "Heck yeah, that's what everybody needs because then." They can take the information, the wonderful information that you give them, and they can, in practice, start using it so they can save themselves. And it's not just about you. It's also about your grandparents and your children and your animals that you love, right? Absolutely. I can't wait. So when's that happening again? When I start doing videos? No, when you start putting out products for people to uh, start using. All they have to do is listen to the show. How come you haven't listened? You mean Uh go into other people's? (laughs) I'm talking about your products. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you haven't listened to the show. I haven't. To, to hear about I have my products? never once. I've been on your show, <laughs> and I've never once heard you say. Well, that's because the show was about you. I was interviewing you. Oh, so okay. It's, well, it's different when I'm interviewing you. Where's your products? Am I? Oh, they're on uh, UGHLive.com. So you do have merch. I do, but well, uh, it, it's old and antiquated, and I haven't been doing my job because I've been trying to do everything else. Well, I just got a website up, and I'm I'm a newbie, 
So I don't have any merch yet. Well, you're an old soul. But it's, ah, what a guy. Shucks. Yeah. What what I want to do is I want to go through Bunker Branding out of Texas. Um, Because Matt Carricker, he's really, really good. Everything there is USA made. And he can put my logo on. And my logo is a background of mountains. Now that. Nice was one of the best shameless plugs I've ever heard on a show ever, and it was great. And he does not pay me for anything. I just watch his his podcasts all the time. He's got um, exactly, he has Demolition Ranch, Off the Ranch, um, Demolition Wrench. Wrench, okay. It's where, where he pulls old classic cars into his garage and he redoes them. See, that's so he, awesome. I mean, I bet you $100... To a dozen donuts, that that guy has something when you buy it, it actually lasts. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, we need to bring that back in this country. Oh, absolutely. The, the American pride. American uh, pride, and American products. ingenuity. Yes. You know, um, that's the ghost opening and closing the door. Yeah, I don't know what they're going out there for. Did he smell cookies or something? Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Everybody knows what we're talking about. Uh, you know, we oh, it's uh, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> How are you? How are you? Hello. Oh, my gosh. We have a guest. Would you like to talk live on the air, sir? Well, I wasn't planning on it. Well, either was I. Welcome to my world. This is Around the Campfire with Kate. All right. So, uh, everybody, I'm going to give an introduction. Pastor Jeff uh, has helped me through some tough times. One of the most knowledgeable guys I know. I don't know how you can have Navy compassion, knowledge, and be able to execute all that, but he does it. And if this guy says something, I listen to him, and it's that simple. It's that easy for me. Wow, I didn't get an introduction like that. It's my show. Kate, that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to steal your show, I promise. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Steal away. Um, so with, right in. I guess so without saying too much, uh, these people actually, uh, and, and I'm talking about Kate and Pastor Jeff, they do things uh, for other people. And I'll, I'll just let you guys take it as far as you want it from that point right there. I only know what you've told me about this gentleman right um everybody out there already knows that we that my company we trace track rescue and extract victims of human trafficking and from what i understand from this gentleman is he takes the victims and turns them into survivors that's the and that is a huge difference because the victims have victim mentality and through christ he gives them something that we can't give them when they are rescued, and that's hope. All we give them is we're just one more person to take them out, and they're wondering if we're going to sell them to somebody else without realizing that we're their rescuers. Well, we take them to people like him, which I've never met you, but we take them to people like him so he can offer them hope and show them that Christ is love, and love is not a dirty word. one, One thing before Pastor Jeff starts, Pastor Jeff is a realist, and he will give you everything you just said, and he will also put a boot in your ass if you need it. I know. I mean, he is that guy. I see tennis shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Like the total man's man. You know, like some people think that Christian men are weak, and I was like, you haven't met my pastor, have you? Uh, Christian, just because we're Christians does not mean we're doormats. Exactly. Um, Christian doesn't mean kumbaya, let's hold hands. Christian means we are followers of Christ, and Christ himself turned the money changers, the, the tables of the money changers over. Christ himself took time. 
to make that whip. He didn't already have it in his hand. He took time to make that. Exactly. He took time to make that whip. He knew what he was doing. It was premeditated. And he needed to show these people, this is my father's house. Well, every single child, every single woman, every single man that is trafficked is a temple of God. That's true. And so Christ has already made that whip. Well, I called him tonight, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't positive, but I was pretty sure he was at church. I'm going to move my computer. I was. We, we, were at a, we were at a Bible study at church. You see. moved it. I can't see. <laughs> I interrupted. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> all good. So I wanted to have you guys meet. Just, I respect both of you immensely. And uh, I always talk about both of you. And that's scary. This is the yeah. first time that I got Pastor <laughs> Jeff in the studio, and I am. It, it is. I'm like in seventh heaven. Here for years, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it has been. A, and you, so you just had to wander in, right? Yeah, I just had yeah. to wander in. I guess. Well, he's literally he is busy all the time. Him and his wife are always doing something. I mean, how often do you have a free minute? Midnight. Right <laughs> 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 you see, that's what you do as a servant of, of Christ. Yeah. Well, I, is, I should just be calling and making reservations with his wife first. I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Jeff, I need you over here. Uh, I'll slot you in. <laughs> yeah, we, we find time to get in the boat every now and then. Um, right. We, uh, right now, um, we were with On Time Ministries, and, and we did just that. For 18 months, me and my wife, we provided a home for uh, young women that was rescued from sex trafficking. Um, and Thank you. To, to get past that victim mentality, um, it takes Christ. Uh, how how do you approach it? My company, we work internationally. We don't work within the, the borders of the United States because what we do is illegal. Uh, <laughs> here, here is illegal. Yeah. Here in the United right. States, it is illegal. So um, when when the victims come to you and you help turn them into survivors, this I have so many questions for you. How do you change? from the victim mentality to the survivor mentality to get it, them to it, love themselves as who they are? It, first of all, it takes structure. Okay. Um, and it, you you have to give them something to own and to be responsible for because all mm-hmm. that has been taken away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we, when we bring them in, we first, you know, a lot of them don't even have two pairs of socks to rub together. And, you know, we give them... We give them, you know, their own clothing. We give them their own room, their own bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we reiterate to them that this, this is yours now. You know, mm-hmm. you, you own this as long as you're in this house. And it's, you know, you're, you're volunteer here. We're not making you stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we pray that you would stay with us. Um, and then it's just about building that structure and just basic life skills. How do you get the demons out? I still have nightmares. Um, I am a victim of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And, even, I mean, that was a long time ago. And I still have nightmares. How do you get rid of the nightmares? Comfort, peace, and prayer. Well, I got the prayer. When those girls are crying in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, reassuring them, turning the lights on. They're not here, sweetheart. No one's coming through that door. But the shadow people are still there. They're, they are. They're, they are. So that's there. why we would do counseling. Mm-hmm. We had Christian counseling that the girls went to once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our pastor at the church that we go to, his wife, um, she would also provide group therapy for the girls. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, um, 
a lot of our breakthroughs with these girls came from because me and my wife would sit with each and every one of them, you know, when they were, you know, being attacked by these demons. And we would hear them say the same things. And it was like, okay, we need to get these girls in the room and they just need to open up to one another so that they know that they're not the only ones fighting this. And that when they began to speak, you know, you would hear the, well, I deal with that too. Mm -hmm. So then we would get them to open up as a group. And then uh, we taught them, I'd always say battle formations. Me being military mm-hmm. background, battle formations is, I, I taught them how the, um, how the Greeks used to fight. They used to fight in a phalanx, mm-hmm. how you protected the guy to your left or your right. Um, so we would stand in a circle and we would hold hands. That was our battle formation. And we would pray. And anytime the girls had something that they were dealing with, you know, Anybody could yell battle formations, and they knew what that meant. We we're coming to the living room, and we're going to give this to God, and we're going to pray over this, and we're going to release this demon in Jesus' name, and, and we're going to fight through this. So just knowing that they had somebody on their side, huge dividends. Mm-hmm. You know, but in our experience, we can only take them but so far. Mm-hmm. And then they have to continue that fight themselves. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of them, I, I wish we had a greater sense, a greater percentage of um, success stories, mm-hmm. but we don't. So, so with that being said, if you don't mind me jumping in here, sure. What is necessary for that next step uh, besides just out, out there on their lo- own? They come from a group aspect, having that security around them. Where, where does where within the community can something be structured to a system outside your facility, like a second step? It, it needs. That's when we, we had. Oh, come um, over here. We had the um, community actually where they would volunteer. The first step was to volunteer. Okay. We got them back into a community setting to where they felt comfortable. And sometimes they weren't comfortable. They would come back and they were like, yeah, I just can't do this. I'm not at that stage yet. Um, I need a step back or, you know, whatever. They would tell us, you know, what was going on. But getting them into a volunteer setting and they would volunteer. And that was the first step before they could even get into an appointment. Because a lot of them felt that they needed to have be out there. They needed to have an appointment. They needed to, they needed to jump ten hurdles without, you know, thinking that they're going to stumble instead of doing one by one by one. And we had to rein them back to do the one by one by one because by doing those ten hurdles, they were just going to fall on their face. So it, it is a, it's definitely a incremental process, and it is, you go at the pace of the girls. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have these windows, you know, from um, being able to, um, stay up past curfew, being able to govern what you watched on TV, to having a cell phone, to volunteering in the community, to getting a job, um, to to be able to drive on your own. Did you find it difficult that the girls that were brought to you, did you find it difficult for them in the transition period to go from the day that they were taken, for lack of a better word, um, sold, taken, trafficked. Their mindset and their heart is on that day. 
Mm-hmm. And from the that day forward until they are rescued, that is just a, an emotional blur where it not only messes with your psyche, but it rips your heart out. Mm-hmm. It's no your soul. They take away something that they can never get back. And these girls are so deeply affected by that. Have you found that some girls cannot come back to the day that they were taken to where they can start moving forward from that day? What we found was the girls that were taken at the early ages, the ones that were trafficked at age 12, 13, 14 Mm -hmm. years old, they've been in it for six, seven, eight, nine years, Mm -hmm. and they're finally rescued mentally. They're still 12 years old, Mm -hmm. even though they're 20 years old. Because they haven't experienced life. They haven't experienced right. anything. They haven't had any responsibility. They haven't finished school. All they know is what their you know, trafficker allowed them to know. And they're still that 14-year-old trapped in a 21-year-old body. You know, so f- there is a huge learning curve you know, to get them to just be responsible for themselves, to be able to take care of them. So that themselves. is your first step is having them learn the responsibility of a 12-year-old mm-hmm. in a 20-year-old body so they can start. Building we, we themselves. quickly assess where they're at, mm-hmm. and then we go from there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking these questions, even though I, I know what the answers are, mm-hmm. but the people out there don't. So not just hearing it from me, excuse me, but hearing it from somebody else who lives it as well. And that makes a difference to the listeners out there. We have everybody from, this is a family show, most of the time. <laughs> tell, and, tell they came in here. And, <laughs> but sometimes I <laughs> no. <laughs> but sometimes I'm pretty graphic in my show, and I let people know this is what I went through, mm-hmm. and so this is what your 13 year old will go through if you're not diligent to watch your child. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you because my audience out there needs to hear it from from both of you as well. Because even though I do the same thing that you do, but on a different level, they can hear it from you from a Christ perspective. The one thing that we try to get these girls to understand too um, is that they're going to live with this for the rest of your life. I'm an Iraqi veteran. Mm -hmm. I deployed three times to Iraq. Thank you. I came home with PTSD. Absolutely. But I fight it with Jesus Christ. And I know. I love that, by the way. I, I fight it with. <laughs> this is awesome. Because it's a daily fight for me. Mm-hmm. To this day, I mean, I haven't, gosh, it's been 2008, I think, since I my last deployment to Iraq. And to this day, when I walk in a restaurant, first thing I do is I look for all the exits, and I look at everybody's face. And I already played it out in my head. If it pops off over here, this is what I'm going to do. My wife almost shoved her underneath the table, and I... I, I play this every. I don't care if I go to the, every single time you go in. Every I, time. I haven't even served, but I've been involved in other things, and I struggle with that daily and feeling comfortable around. I'm not comfortable unless I analyze the, the, the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't talk about it much, uh, but I can relate to it. Um, and the reason I brought up the stuff about what do you do afterwards, um, getting the community involved is very important. And there's going to come a time, hopefully soon, where there's a group of individuals that will reach out to those that are willing to assist with the situation we're discussing now. And starting in a community level, 
um, people are going to be needed in a small community level and, and structure programs to reach out to those people in the community to help the other people. Um, and it, it, it's, it's coming. It is. Um, today, couldn't say. But uh, this is great. Um, we were kind of laughing and chuckling. And um, I've always so I asked Jeremy to put me together with you for the future programs that myself and a group of individuals have put together um, for the wealth of information that you have where they'd like to put assistance into. What, what was beginning to work well with these girls was um, having godparents, uh, loving couples that these girls could go spend the weekend at their house. Mm-hmm. Um, that they kind of like get a, a big brother, big sister program, right, but, they could, but parents. Right, so that they could get away from the girls. They could get out of that environment. You know, they could be alone, and these, you know, these grandparents or these godparents or adopted parents, whatever you want to call them, could just love and lavish on them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of give them a, a place to decompress um, as they begin to... Um, work through, you know, their challenges in their own life. Um, and, and that works really well. But you got to have the right volunteers for that. you got to have the right couple for that, and it's got to be the right environment. You know, um, going putting girls in a house that, you know, they may have three or four kids and it's high energy all the time is not going to work. No. It's not going to work at all. Right. Um, because you're, you're going to just bring those troubles back up for them. They, they don't feel like they can decompress. That, that was going to be my question. Do you still find that even when the girls have gone through their therapy and they think that they're ready, do you find that they still cannot decompress? I still go to the woods. Mm-hmm. I live in the woods. I have a big dog. I have my horses. And I live in the woods. That's how I decompress because I'm. it's not that I'm free out there. It's just I feel closer to God. And nothing out there can hurt me. Yeah, it's about teaching coping skills. Um, because if you're suffering from PTSD, how do I explain this? Everything is framed mm-hmm. in that trauma event that caused it. So anytime I felt anxious, anytime I felt upset, anytime I was just feeling off. PTSD, Iraq opens that door, and it wants to be the first one through the door. My fight, I thought, was is to stop him from coming through the door. I realize I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And every time something happens in my life that's going to boost my anxiety or get me upset or anything like that, I know PTSD, Iraq is going to open that door. But through Jesus Christ, I get to tell it to come and sit down and shut up. I'm not dealing with you right now. I'm dealing with this issue now. He's going to come in, mm-hmm. and he's going to try to speak the loudest. But I get to tell him to sit down on the couch and shut up because I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> I've already dealt with you. I am now dealing with the fact that me and my wife can't figure out what we want to watch on TV right mm-hmm. now. That's what I'm dealing with. It ain't got nothing to do with you right now. I ain't got to bring Iraq into this. My priority is my woman. I, exactly. I got to say something here. That to the girls. <laughs> Yeah. Folks, he came in here, him and his wife, they, they had no idea they were going to be on any podcast, any radio, nothing. So they're just here, and he said that he had this thing with the PTSD, and he was, I'm going to push my wife there. And I got you got an advantage from PTSD. You're in the bedroom, and your wife says, honey, do these make me look fat? You know I'm going to dive right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> it's an advantage. Yeah. It's a half type glasses, half full type. <laughs> but, oh, I, I've known you a long time. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I respect both of you guys so much. And uh, you guys have a way of, of uh, you do a lot of teaching without saying nothing. And that's very rare, um, both of you. I mean, literally to this day, it was like two days ago, my daughter said, it was, can I do something? Can I go somewhere with Tony? And I was like, what would Pastor Jeff say? (laughs) (laughs) You guys have probably heard me say that, you know, because that's a standard. And and I guess, you know, if you're really going to fix, whether it's girls, whether it's guys, whether it's men being men, you know, whatever it is, you need good people and you need good role models. And both of you guys are the creme de la creme. You know what I mean? I mean, you guys won't admit that, but it's the truth. Um, it's the way, I, I don't know how this works exactly. Um, because what you told me is like, man, every guy's got faults. And, you know, when you say that, when some guys say that, you think, okay, yeah, you know, I do this or that. But when you say it, it's like, Jesus, I need to start writing this down in the notebook. It's like, <laughs> you know, have you guys ever been there? Have you ever had that conversation with somebody like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're really good at pointing out other people's faults. And what I did is I, I started every time I pointed out something else, somebody else was doing work-related, supervising numerous people. It's like, oh, wait a minute. When have I done that and where can I improve with it? Right, so, right. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> if I can't you know, lead by example, what kind of leader am I? Well, he gave me a speech, my and I, and everybody has marital problems, but my and I were fighting real bad. And Pastor Jeff came to the rescue and he said something to me, and I'm not going to repeat it, but it had to do with fighting and picking your battles. And, and basically as a guy, no one went to shut up. <laughs> Good now, luck. I will tell you this. How did you manage that? <laughs> he has saved me a thousand fights just <laughs> by listening to that advice. And it's, and it's the little things. And I, when you guys were talking about jumping rows, you know, like, I, I think that's life. Like, if you jump 10 steps, like the people that win lottery, they're broke in five years because mm-hmm. they miss all those steps, all those rows of doing things. They don't know how to handle money. It's like water. It meets you where you're at. And they just don't get it. And I think that's that way, you know, if you're uh, if you're one of these girls that have been taken away. And like you said, they're still 12 or 13 years old. Uh, my question about all of that was, do you see them manipulating other people around them like they were manipulated? Like, do the characteristics of the people that controlled them carry on through their lives because that's what they know? No, I see just the opposite. I see them not trust. Really? People. Yeah. When I saw some like manipulation. She may. I mean, from my female perspective. Female to female. Yeah. They looked at him totally different than they looked at me. So it was. Because you're safe. Yeah, because, yeah, he he was, they got comfortable with him, and a lot of stuff they were comfortable with, I don't know, just the way he talks to people. So he, God put us where we were I'm at, under that at spell, so right I know. <laughs> for the right girl <coughs> at the right moment to be able to... Um, be blessed by them and then be blessed by what God was doing through us and so the communication was sometimes I saw something different than he might have seen and they they might have been doing something that they knew they shouldn't have been doing that 
they would have pulled the wool over his eyes, but I saw it, you know, and vice versa. You know, I can so. see that. Well, and that kind of emphasizes a lot of the stuff uh, we, we kind of talk about with the group I'm involved with. It, it's going to be a complete team effort to make things work because uh, you get in so far, I myself have, um, where, where you, you don't see things because you're in so deep and someone's sitting outside the box, it's obvious to. And not saying that I intentionally miss things or anyone. You're focused so intently on one point you don't see the whole picture. Um, and, and it, that, that's it where the team it, effort is. It, and that's what, you know, I think help, helped us in our situation. Um, for a lot of these girls, you know, it, it happened from, you know, it was a, a male who, you know, mm-hmm. they were trafficked by. Um, and a lot of people were concerned about me living in a, you know, in a mm-hmm. house with nine women. You poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I lived in a house. How did you do it? I lived in a house yeah. with nine women, um, uh, but I wanted to show them that not all guys are are evil. That had and, to have been difficult, and and it was um, because I had to earn their trust, um, and it was just just by the standard and the structure that we had um, that they could feel comfortable around another male figure. And I didn't want anything from them. It took me 40 years. 40 years. I mean, years just, to just, another just the fact of being able to just hug them. Yeah. You know, I didn't take that for granted because I knew where they, where they were coming from. Um, but one of the things that we tried to, you know, that we tried to get across to them, just in my own personal experiences, you know, it's not really the sex trafficking in a lot of these cases. It's the secondary side effects that came along with it, which is the drug addiction, because that became their coping mechanism. If I can just zombie out, their escape. This this will just go away, and I don't have to worry about. It. And that's that's that is a primary tactic of these these traffickers is to keep these girls. When I'm drugged, I don't have to feed. Right, keep these girls drugged up, and then they'll do whatever it is that they want them to do. Um. And it's just dealing with those sound effects. And, you know, I would tell these girls, I was like, look, you don't get a second chance at this. I'm sorry. I'm just being I'm being real here. Don't think that you can go back to that drug because it was a coping mechanism for you and think it's going to be okay. You know, and I use the scriptures of when God says when you clean your house and the demon leaves, he's bringing seven back because he's going to find the house empty. I say he's going to bring more with him. I guarantee you. And it's not going to work out the way you think it is. And unfortunately, we did experience that um, with a couple of girls. Um, they were felt like they didn't want to be in the house anymore. They wanted to be on their own. We knew exactly what was going to happen, but we couldn't stop them. It was a volunteer program, and it was 24 hours. You know, And it hurts your heart because you want to bring them back in, but we couldn't because we were not going to be a halfway house. Right. You know. I want you to be here until you're ready to leave. I say, I don't care if that's one year, two years, or ten years. You know, no one's going to push you out of this house until you feel that you've accomplished what you need to and that you're okay and that you're going to be able to stand on your own two feet. And we've, we've got several girls that have done that, and we're very proud of these girls. You know, but that's not all of them. You know, we don't have a 100% success rate. Um, I don't think anybody does. No, you don't. Um, and really, you know, you were talking about that next step. So they come to an organization like what we provided, 
where we give them structure, we give them accountability, we give them the ability to grow, we give them the counseling, um, we get them, you know, at the at the foot of the cross, we get them that solid foundation, and then these girls are ready to move on. Well, don't put a Bible in their hand and put the car keys and say, hope it all works out for you, because it's not. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. That next step is, and what we were trying to work towards was, Okay, now they're living in an environment where they're not truly accountable to someone, but somebody's there for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they have someone that basically has housing available that's going to watch, keep an eye on them type of thing. Kind of help them manage their life skills as they begin to stand on their own. Mm -hmm. And then once they've accomplished, then once they accomplish that, okay, now you're ready to move out on your own. You know, but to turn them loose without that strong family support or that support structure. They feel like they have one foot in the grave. Would you say, I'm sorry, but uh, would you say, Pastor, that trust is the key issue here because they have to have trust in their faith, trust in their belief with God, and they have to have trust that they're going to get out of this situation. They're completely gone. They have to have trust in themselves. And their son. Well, they've got to build trust levels right. on it's, it's, it's trust yeah. in themselves, especially the ones that are coming from the secondary um, effects of the drug addiction. Right. To trust themselves to know that I'm not going to go back to that right. pipe. I'm, I'm not going to go back to that needle, you know, or that joint or whatever their gr- drug of choice was, or it was alcohol. Have they talked about torture? Um, a few of them did. And see, that was the other key. We didn't push them to tell their story. Mm-hmm. You let them share whatever it was that they wanted to share. Because it was their timing to be able right. to share. And we... <laughs> oh, here comes the story. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show you the mentality of, you know, what what this environment does. You know, these girls, we take them to counseling once a week, but then they would come back and they talk about this and about that. And my wife was really good about it. Well, did you talk to your counselor about that? Well, no. Well, it's, well, it's hard. It's for. <laughs> in, in a counseling situation, you, you have an hour to sit with a counselor. And by the time that hour is up, you've got just a small portion told to that counselor. But then that hour is up, and the pieces are still there. And they have to walk away from those pieces, and those pieces are still there. Nobody's helped them pick up those pieces right. and put them back. Right. And see, that's what we, we found, that it was like a threefold approach. So they had the professional counseling that we sent them through. They had the group counseling through our um, pastor's wife. And then they had the one-on-one counseling that me and my wife did. Because we, um, we would do, um, oh gosh, what did we, we call them? One-on-one. We called them one-on-one. It was one-on-ones where weekly me and my wife would sit down and we had a notebook. And each girl had their own notebook. And, and the first thing we did is we opened it up. That's a good idea. And we talked through, okay, this last week, these were your goals and your objectives. How do you think you did this week? Last week, this is what you told me that you were struggling with. How are you doing this week? You know, so we, okay, so, and if we couldn't, if we haven't fixed those, we can't talk about anything new. Yeah, we, you can't we, move on. We, 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 need to, we need to stay focused here until we can get you past this point, mm-hmm. you know. And then we began to talk about their life goals. You know, allow them to dream something they've never done. Right. You know, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? That was one of the questions I asked them. Well, okay, well, what, do you, what is it going to take for you to get there? Well, I don't know. Well, let's figure it out. We got the girls enrolled in college. A lot of the girls started taking college classes, finished their GED. You know, the little basic things that, you know, we, me and you, or some of us take for granted, but these girls, it was taken away from them. Right. 
you know, so. Well, I've got a question for both you and your wife, and I've asked this a million times to a million different people, but there's training sessions and then there's train the trainer. And you guys are like train the trainer, the trainer. You know what I mean? So how do you guys, I mean, keep that, that connection that you guys have as husband and wife? Like you hardly have any time for yourselves, don't you? I mean, you're always doing something for other people. What do you guys actually do for you guys that, that make you so That's powerful a as a couple? Like you're a, a, a power couple. We have a lot more time now because um, the ministry has dissolved. But um, there's other ministries out there that do what we did that are amazing. And we also communicated with them throughout when we had phone calls. There's a there's times when we still get a phone call because I still have our number. Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're in touch with a lot of the girls. That so, and then we're so. still in contact with the girls. So I tell them I said, I'll always be your dad. But, so we <laughs> have more time now, even though we're both working. But we have more time now. But during that time, um, it was tough. But we always still made sure that we... She kept an eye on me. I kept an eye yeah. on her. She would, when, when, because I connect on an emotional level. Everybody right. knows that. Right. And these girls were my daughters, every single one of them. And it hurt my heart that you know someone would treat my daughters that way. Right. Um, and, um, but there's times when it would it would just be a little too much, and my wife is like. Okay, you need to go out to the house. You need to go spend some time with our son. Your testosterone levels are low. Um, you need to go build those back up. You need to go spend some man time. And put your right leg in your pants first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go both yards, but but I see. Yeah. And, and I, just, I just literally just met you guys tonight. But what I see in your marriage is you put Christ first. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the only and way that we've survived. Exactly. Yes. You put Christ first. And that, that kept you. As a, as a married couple. the center of your guys' universe. Absolutely. Well, I'm getting across well it's God weird. Awesome. That's huge. These guys, you look at them and you think, everything's easy. They never fight. It's a perfect world. But then you listen to them talk about it, and they're like, these people you look up to, this is what I, I take comfort in. They've fought. Uh, they've had struggles, and they they busted through it. You, you war fought through it, literally. You fought, fought. And so you look at these people and, and people that have that you think it have it easy, and then you understand the realism behind that they had the same struggles. It's almost like understanding Jesus. Like he had the same struggles as we do, but here's a couple form. They had the same struggles we do, and if they can do it, we better do it. Because you know, you know there's a song. What's that, Pastor Jeff going to think about that? <laughs> there's a song that Twyla Parrish sang. Oh my goodness, thirty five ish years ago. The warrior is a child. Mm-hmm. They don't know. That I go running home when I fall down. They don't know who lifts me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and cry for just a while because deep inside this armor, the warrior is a child. And that not only happens in victims of human trafficking, but it happens with soldiers with with PST. PST. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) PTSD. Yes, that's it. It happens with. A regular layperson that's never had these types of deep traumatic experiences. But just because we've gone through that does not 
negate the fact that what another person has gone through is not just as traumatic for them. Mm -hmm. And they have their own form of PTSD. So knowing that Christ is there, no matter what, keep it Christ-centered. That deep inside that armor, the warrior is a child, but they also need to understand that they can boldly come to the throne of grace and crawl in their father's lap and have him hold them because he's going to say, it's okay, Mm -hmm. and I'm here for you. People do not understand or realize that, and it needs to be taught more. People need to realize, well, it is not a feeling, it's a relationship. And just because somebody doesn't feel Christ in the moment does not mean he's not there. It just means that in any relationship, there's going to be, okay, say for you, for you two, sometimes you weren't there. You were busy. Sometimes you weren't there. You were busy. But you knew you were there for each other. Mm-hmm. And no matter how you argued and fought, you knew you loved each other. You got to consider the source. And in, the, <laughs> in that love, you had a bond with Christ. <clears throat> because Christ was your hub. He was your center. And to me, that makes a difference. Oh, it makes a huge difference. I mean, it, you know, I, I like to relate to the to the Hissick. I, I hate the word story because somebody uses, you say story, it's like a fairy tale in the Bible. So I always right. said Hissick, historic accounts. I took history, historical account, I just shortened it and made it Hissick. Um, Remember that, Dan. He's making up <laughs> new words every day on that, you know. <laughs> you know. Right after Jesus fed the 5,000, mm-hmm. he told the disciples we're going to go on the other side. So they get in the boat, and Jesus says, I'll catch up with you. Now, they didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't know if Jesus was going to walk along the edge of the shore or, or what he was going to, if he was going to catch the next boat out. But as you read, they got out there, and they got into trouble. Storms came up. And it says that Jesus was on the shoreline praying with the Father. They're struggling. They're out there fighting for their life in the middle of this storm. And where's Jesus? He's on the shore praying with the Father. Now, did he not know that they were out there? Absolutely, he knew they were out there. But where was Jesus spending time with the Father? Why? Because he knew he wasn't going to lose not a single one of them. But they didn't know that. That's pretty awesome. They didn't know that. <laughs> they They struggled. <laughs> In their storms. Because they saw the storm. Right. And here's the interesting part, though. The interesting part is, is that if you read it, and I think, because um, it's recorded in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Luke records it as Jesus was walking on the water, and he was going to walk right by them. <laughs> he wasn't going to the boat. He was walking right by them. And it wasn't until they said, who is, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you know, they started screaming for Jesus. And then Jesus, what did he do? He got in the boat. Behind many of us struggle in our own storms, and Jesus is right there, and we refuse we to say his name. We have that's to good. call Jesus into our storms. And that's what we were trying to teach these girls. You need to call Jesus into these storms, and he's going to be right there with you. He's not going to leave you. With the word of his mouth, he will calm these storms, but he is right there with us. 
knowing that he was sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, and he is interceding for every single one of us. And at a moment's notice, I can call him into my storm, and he will give me that God of peace, the peace that only comes from God. That's it. But when someone has experienced something that's so traumatic as this, it's not a one and I'm done. You have to show them that. Mm -hmm. So then those times when I was feeling bad, those times when I wasn't feeling at my top of my game and I just felt bad, I shared that with the girls. Mm -hmm. Openly with every single one of them. Because you're human too. Exactly. You're not the only ones that's dealing. I may not have gone through what you did, although I was a victim of sex abuse when I was a kid Mm -hmm. um, by my babysitter. Um, But... Even though i am not gone through what you've gone through, like you just said, nonetheless, my traumatic events are my traumatic events. Mm-hmm. They're just as traumatic for They're you. They're just as traumatic for me as right. yours are for you. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'm not going to downplay yours. Matter of fact, I want you to pay for mine as I'm going to pray for yours. Mm-hmm. You know, But to, to do this without God, you're setting yourself up for failure. You, you mm-hmm. just can't do it. You, you just can't. It's that simple. It's that simple. There's no no more debate. I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. Black and white. Yep. It's that, that's actually simple. kind of subtle. It, it makes you feel good to know that it, the buck stops there. That's it. <laughs> if if you choose it, great. You're laboring in vain if you're not laboring with God. The main thing after that is you have to let it. You have to yeah, what? You can choose. To <laughs> you have to with let God, him. but you actually have to let Him work with. Ouch. And that's the hardest part. That's for me. the thing. <laughs> too many times you can't we, keep stepping on God's toes because hard. he's going to step back and say okay yeah too many times I'm we invite God into our boat but we want to keep the oars and God's like let go <laughs> that's hard to do when you feel like you are the only one with those oars and right, nobody else is there to help you take those oars yeah. who do you trust well it's kind of the illusion of control self-control well in my life when well, i'm in the boat moron isn't it it is an illusion of self-control I, well, yeah. i've learned a lot about marriage so when i'm in that boat and the oars are gone i just turn around and say my what do i do next <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. I, thank you for for coming you guys want to wrap this up so we can talk to them off yeah the we're air? we're We've worked yeah. way over the, the yeah, hour. I, you can edit whatever you want to. I am but, sorry But I want this. the full thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I told my wife, I said, like, well, we'll just stop in for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sorry. Thank you, everybody. Oh, this ends the broadcast. I want to thank uh, special guests, Pastor Dave. Pastor Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, I knew that. I yes. was testing you. And my lovely wife, Tracy. Pastor and his lovely wife, Tracy. I'd like to thank the men in the corner. Deplorable Dan and Jeremy Hansen. Jeremy, tell everybody where we can find you. Oh, thank you all. Uh, Spreaker.com, 5 o'clock, unleash Jeremy Hansen at 9 o'clock in the morning, morning crankers. If you want to laugh, just start your day. Start your day. We got chocolate chip cookies in the morning. Oh, yeah. All the way from Kentucky. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining the Sends the Broadcast. All right. Um, Stay strong. Amen.